Secrets from a Coach. Thrive and maximise your potential in the evolving workplace. Your weekly podcast with Debbie Green of Wishfish and Laura Thompson-Staveley of Phenomenal Training. Debs. Law, are you all right? Yeah, you all right? I'm all right. Not too bad. It's been a bit of a busy old week, but I think everybody's trying to get everything done by the end of this month and leaning into August. So, um, yeah, interesting to see how people are using their influence skills, Law. Absolutely. And then the impact they want to then have, there's this kind of scramble, I think, of, oh my goodness, the, the year... Uh, is uh, sort of feeling like it's starting to run out. So yeah, there's lots of kind of conversations sort of happening to sort of start things off. Um, interestingly, Debs, I don't know what you've been picking up. I've been speaking to quite a few people in passing who either have the story directly themselves or hearing it from others about, for example, starting a new role and just not having a particularly good onboarding experience, not meeting anyone, being kind of forgotten about. And so this kind of hybrid working, I think there is this sort of reality in that if you're brand new joining a new role and you're all excited and we know it's such a candidate driven market at the moment. So, you know, you've found this person, they're starting a new role. Has anyone met them yet? Uh, no, sorry, because I'm working <laughs> from home today. <laughs> so That's I've spoken to a couple excuse. of people who sort of said, yeah, I was really looking forward to this role, actually, but I don't really know what the role mm. is because I haven't had a chance to meet anyone yet. So that really certainly has not only an impact on the day that they're there in an office and there's no one there to meet them, but it influences someone, someone's onward impression yeah. of who, who these new people are that they're working with and, the, and the, uh, you know, what type of role it's going to be actually in reality. Yeah, definitely. And and when we look at that whole um, gamut around personal impact and what does it mean, you know, it is about creating that really first strong impression, um, you know, so being able to show up at least and have the impact that you want on that maybe that new person is so, so important. And that is just poor etiquette, right, For not, to not show up on somebody else's first day. That's like, you wonder why they might then leave your organisation or not give a hundred percent because it's left them feeling like a damp squib. Yeah. And just a bit kind of forgotten about, which no one yeah. sort of wants to feel like. So, so I think this is a real interesting um, time to, uh, you know, be thinking about our impact and influencing skills, which is why we thought this would be an ideal third part in our four part focus on evergreen skills. Those lifelong skills that actually are not only useful in our work now, but are likely to be considered premium in the future. And I don't think either of us can imagine a world of work where making an impact on either a call, a meeting or some kind of interaction with someone, the impact is what happens right now. And uh, and then the onward influence. The influence is then, well, what is that person's um, belief or actions going to be once you've left the room? The kind of the onward influence it has. And I can't see a world of work where those aren't going to be useful skills. You know, how do you show up, as you said, in that moment? Do you show up? And what do people do after or believe after as a result of that um, kind of interaction? So these have been skills you know, since the dawning of time when we all started thinking about work that have been useful. But they certainly are getting tested now, Debs, because you've now got hybrid working. You've now got people who maybe have been sitting behind screens for two and a half years now going to their first face-to-face -face pitches, having their first all-team gatherings. So still here in 2022, there are these firsts that are happening. And so for even those people that have been in the world of work for a number of years, there might be some firsts that are, you know, in your diary now of when you're actually got a moment to make an impact. 
or maybe someone that is kind of more new into their career or had a switch in career. And, uh, you know, it's a moment of truth, isn't it? Who am I? What am I going to say? And what's the impact I want to make in this moment to then influence some kind of onward action? Yeah, definitely. And I know, you know, you've been doing lots of things with people over the last couple of weeks, um, Laura, to to enable them to have that impact and influence, whether it's in the training room or, as you said, selling something to them. So, So what, in your opinion, constitutes somebody who is really good either at influencing and has a great impact? Great question. I remember reading something somewhere. I think it might have been in some kind of, I don't know, motivational quote sort of thing about how actually in order to be considered an interesting person, a person that people just want to listen to you and find out, you know, what you might say next. The secret to that is, is to be interested. So rather than thinking, right, how can I be the most interesting person here within the room? And what am I going to say? And, you know, how am I going to make an impression? Actually, in the nicest possible way, as we both say, get over yourself. Impact and influence isn't really about you. (laughs) It's about others. So actually, could it be more when I think about the most high impact, really positive influencing leaders, um, people that we've worked with in all sort of types of organisations and all levels within an organisation, they tend to be those people that take a genuine interest in others. So rather than what am I going to say to wow the crowd, it might be giving some information that helps the crowd or gets the crowd to think a bit differently. In a one-to-one, it's not showing off about all the things that you have been doing. I see some of the most highly impactful people asking great questions that then get other people to then kind of interact. So I think one of the quickest ways to be someone that other people are interested in in listening to is to be interested in others. And then you will be interesting because people just feel connected and engaged and they leave that interaction feeling like they've been listened to and uh, they've had an impact on you because you have then enabled them that space to be able to have that. So, you know, even those TED Talks that are there being watched by many people, millions of people. So whether it is that stage impact, it's about the audience and generating some kind of reaction in the audience that actually enables that impact to take place. Because after half an hour of listening to someone talking about how good they are and what they did, (laughs) people switch off. Yeah, they do. (laughs) It might be a good story, but at some point, actually, you know, it starts to feel a little bit awkward because... Because you think, yeah. well, well what, what about me and kind of this? So yeah, I don't know whether point. that's kind of a useful way to sort of summarise it. But some of the most charismatic, high impact leaders yeah. that I've ever worked with help other people feel like the most important person in the room. Mm, definitely. And I suppose when you think of the skills that they those people have, they're, they're, as you said, we've all got them, right? That ability to listen, listen well to be able to maybe be a bit curious and ask them some questions. Um, And as you said, how do um, people make any spoken message that they're going to give to an audience, as you were saying, um, that is going to be interesting and engaging? So I suppose when you're working and you're doing things around how to present well, like we talked about earlier, um, you know, it's thinking about how do we get people, if you like, hooked, in inverted commas, into wanting to know more about us without telling them about us? Yeah, and it's how how do we overcome that? Well, interestingly, I don't know if this answers the sort of question or not. Actually, one of the behaviours I see helping those who are maybe a little bit jittery about, you know, an impact moment is I mm. think the one word poise. So Ooh, nice. when someone is poised, then 
you know, you, you let nature take its course and the, and the right communication will then come out. But it's almost yeah. like the stillness that is required yeah. before the action that then means that action lands with that impact. And, mm. you know, I know you're a great advocate of breathing, which yes. I know you could say <laughs> to any helps. human. <laughs> Bit of a challenge if you're not, but you know, sort of one of those vital, uh, you know, parts of life. But um, I know you're a great advocate on the power of breath and just yeah. three breaths, very, you know, kind of subtly. No one needs to know that to then just enable the when it's your moment to then speak, you just deliver it with poise rather than it being tumbled into and then kind of fallen out of. So I think one of the things that can really help from a kind of a tactical technique in that moment is to aim for poise. Let me give myself enough space just so I can feel poised and on top. And then, um, you know, the communication or the messages is more likely to come out. And um, I really kind of got that from an amazing book. I mean, I, I, I love his, his work. So I know we've recommended some of his other books before, but Ryan Holiday who wrote the book, The Obstacle is the Way, that we talk about quite a bit. One of his follow-up books for that is the book Stillness. And what he talks about is behind any kind of main um, purposeful impact that someone has made. Um, the majority of religions around the world have this idea of stillness is then what enables you actually to kind of go on and sort of do things. That's always kind of stuck with me. So as well as worrying about what you're going to say, I think it's also what do you do in the three seconds before yes. you open your mouth and it's that kind of moment of poise yeah definitely I love that poise that's such a cool word isn't it and I think the other thing I know notice when you're networking and and obviously you people are doing some networking online is that ability to maintain eye contact with people as well and I don't mean staring them out so it gets a bit creepy but it's that being comfortable to maintain that eye contact and keep the attention on the individual you're speaking to. And I know certainly in some of the work we do, people haven't got the confidence to do that because they feel that they're, you know, they're going to be maybe judged or what if they think this or what if they think that. So I think it's how do people really go about creating and building that presence or that poise of you, as you said, to be able to create that impact uh, and it's some of the things that they have learned about themselves, isn't it? That ability to have that self-awareness. So listening to, you know, maybe having some feedback that may not be great, but, you know, being humble in the receipt of it. And it's like, what else can people do to think about how they can create a good impact on others? I think that's so great talking about eye contact because it is such a, it's the first thing we do when we're born. You know, if you're born lucky enough to have the gift of eyesight, that's the first thing we do as babies, isn't it? We lock eye contact onto that first human that we interact. So it is the sign of life, you know, that kind of eye opening kind of bit. So I think it's a very, um, you know, it's an everyday thing, you know, blinking and, and being able to kind of be aware of the world around us. But it's such an important part of how we connect. Just think about if you're waiting to be, be let out in traffic. When your window is up, especially if you've got tinted windows, you're much less likely for someone to do you a favour, slow down and let you out. Roll down the window, you'll get let out much, much sooner because there's that sense of if I can see you, if I can make eye contact, I feel like I'm much more connected to you. And then there's a sense of, you know, kind of guilt if I don't then let you out, et cetera, et cetera. Now, of course, what we've then had is this huge shift to online working. 
So um, my first instant thought you said about eye contact was this conversation we had at the team meeting on Monday. So I'll come on to that in a moment because that blew my mind. Anyway, from a very practical point of view, sticking a pair of googly eyes around your webcam camera is a real cheat's way of your mind, your, your eyes will always be drawn up to what looks like a pair of eyes, which means if you've got an all room pitch that you're doing and it's online, um, you might keep in your mind making eye contact, but you're actually looking down and diagonally to the left, which means everyone else is actually not seeing your open eyes. So mm-hmm. having a pair of googly eyes, those little things you get on toys stuck either side of brilliant. the webcam, a brilliant <laughs> way to just kind of trick your brain to keep looking up. It's amazing yeah, it's how powerful true. that is. However, Debs, you never know what technology is around the corner. And there's a new algorithm but that's been put into the FaceTime. Oh so my the gosh, yes. Apple FaceTime. Yeah, Lynn showed it. Now, if you go on it, if, yeah, so Lindsay showed it. If you go on it now, there is now an, uh, an upgrade that then just happens. So you have, it's default on, you have to turn it off. That to the viewer will make it look like you're making eye contact <gasps> with them. Oh, that's a bit spooky. <laughs> so, so the technology is there that will basically, um, you know, manipulate your eye expression. So to the other person, you might be looking down at them. Um, you know, so they're seeing the top of your eye, uh, your, your forehead, but to the other person, it makes it look like you're making direct eye contact. So that's a bit of fun. And that shows you how just smart technology is. But why is that put in? Because we know eye contact is the absolute key essence for building rapport. And it's one of the things that many people would complain you don't get virtually. So hence, obviously, the engineers have been sort of looking at that. As a cheat's way out, though, the advice I always give to people if they're a bit squeamish about eye contact is just look at people in between the eyebrows. And then it feels to the other person as if you're making eye contact, if it's something that is not your natural comfort zone or you haven't done it for so long because you've been, you know, on your own little remote island working, then that could be a kind of a cheat's way. So, uh, yeah, I think eye contact is a, is a massive part of it. Yeah, I think you're right because then it's that. Also, I think that comes into that is that ability to have this um, like positivity and and to be able to communicate over your message, you know, unless you're making 700 people redundant, then it's a, not maybe up the positivity on that one, but just be real. But on the whole, when yeah. we're working and with people... And put that tinted windscreen right that, up. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose on the whole, it's that ability, isn't it, to be able to connect in a positive way. So your presence, as you said, the poise that you have is going to be um, really invaluable, but also... I think when I see people who have good impact, their willingness to share information and to be able to, um, you know, not hold anything back, to just share their knowledge. And I suppose it's when when you're working with other people, it's what's the impact of somebody quite happily and willingly bringing you into the fold and sharing their knowledge. You know, when you see that happen um, in your workshops, you know, what what's the what's the impact that has on the others? Well, interesting. I, th- I think, um, in fact, I was only running a session today and we were talking about um, how to bring learning to life. So it was a train the trainer workshop, oh, which is just my favourite. You know, it's just uh, it's just really great because never underestimate the impact that a training course can have on people, good or bad, and the influence it then has on their later choices in career about what they think they can or can't do, you know, which is why we're so passionate about learning being accessible and positive and all that, all that kind of stuff. Um, but actually investing a bit of time thinking about how do I introduce myself? 
can be a real life-changing moment, um, Debs. And I've had it a few times where it seems like quite a simple exercise. Just now practice in pairs, how are you going to introduce yourself? But after the pandemic, Debs, or whatever stage we're at in the pandemic, people have been through so much change. It actually can be quite an emotional moment to think, actually, this is who I am and this is how I'm going to introduce myself. And I'm not going to use the words just and only. So oh, it's just me. I only do this. I'm going to get rid of those words because in that moment, you are underselling yourself and that benefits no one. So it's not about showing off, it's about showing out your personal connection to the topic or the conversation you're going to have, which creates that sense of trust, which as Amy Cuddy says in a brilliant TED Talk, people are looking to establish, can I trust you and can I respect you? So the trust element, so a little bit of disclosure about your personal connection to the topic and then um, the respect element, your professional connection to that topic. So rather than, as I was saying today with this group of people, rather than saying, oh, no, it's only me. I don't normally run this course, but the real trainers <laughs> are sick. <laughs> Good first impression, <laughs> you know, right? Oh, Exactly. And if it takes three seconds to make a really first impression and then 30 seconds to hook people's interest or not, and then with three minutes, people have either bought in or, or kind of switched off, then that first three seconds is just completely devaluing you and the audience in that moment. So having to think about, you know, whether it's practicing your little elevator pitch, which was the old school school um, kind of way of describing, you, you, you know, you're stuck in a lift for 30 seconds with someone with whom you want to make a good impression with. How do you describe yourself? Or you're standing up and it's at the start of either a pitch or a presentation or even just a team meeting. How do you introduce yourself and what might that mean? So I, I always sort of um, encourage people to think about with the message you're about to deliver, what's your personal connection to it? Um, and what's your professional connection to it? And uh, again, that can just then help put a bit of impact around it, which then means when later on people are thinking, oh yeah, she said that in that thing, you're influencing their behaviour um, from a positive point of view. Mm, I think so, because that also links into um, how much, I suppose, self-awareness you have, which we mentioned earlier. But how do you use your power and influence well um, so that you care about that and you care about the way you're perceived as well? It's as you say, it's not just trundling over everybody. And I know, you know, you've done some work around the powers of influence and the different, you know, things we have to take into consideration and what do they look like for us. And I think that's always a good one when you share that, Law. So give us some examples of that power of influence. Oh, well, I mean, Robert Cialdini is the absolute master on this, the guru of it. So, you know, many people might have heard of him before. If you're interested in this or this is useful for your role now and in the future, Robert Cialdini is a really good place to start. C-I-A-E-L, sorry, C-I-A-L-D-I-N-I, -I, Robert Cialdini. So we can put a link to his stuff in the, in the overview. But he had two game, well, his first book was a real game changer. And that was all about the pillars of persuasion. And what he said was, is there are certain things that people are persuaded by. So as soon as you say, this is going to run out unless we make our decision now, there's a scarcity driver that is put around there, which means people are influenced then to think, actually, we need to say yes, because if we don't say yes in this month, it's going to have a consequence. So the scarcity um, influencer is kind of a well-used one, you know, in the kind of world of advertising and sort of marketing. But I think in a real world kind of uh, people kind of environment, so rather than a product point of view, um, the uh, there's there's lots of stuff he did around the kind of the the influencing factors we have around the language that we use. So what I found really interesting, I'd never considered it like this before, is his new book, newer book that came out was about the art of persuasion. So actually, what influences someone saying yes or no might not be in the actual question you ask. 
It's the information you landed a couple of minutes previously that then lays the environment for someone to then receive that question in a, you know, in a positive or negative way. So the practical example I would give for anyone here that is dealing with sort of money or negotiation things, you know, at the moment is if you want someone to agree to a couple of thousand pounds, then you make that couple of thousand pounds feel small by, according to Robert Caldini, pre-planting a message a little bit earlier on. So at the start, you might say, don't worry, this isn't going to cost millions of pounds. You know, what we're looking at is a bespoke, you know, project, etc. And then half an hour later, you then say, and it's a couple of thousand. And because you've pre-suaded the audience thinking million pounds, oh my gosh, but you sort of laughed it off as, don't worry, it's not going to be millions of pounds. But then later on, you've then said, you know, it's two grand. And that two grand, you've pre-suaded your audience by the information you've put before the moment of persuasion, i.e. the impact you've made and then the influence you want to have on their decision. So that fascinated me, Debs, because I'd, I'd never seen it described so clearly. You know, So if you want to have an influence over someone's decision, yes, there are some great questions to ask, absolutely. But it's what might have been said before the meeting, shaking hands, asking them about their weekend, asking them about their office refurb before you walk into the meeting that actually might have the greatest impact over whether they say yes or no to you or call you back following that pitch. So I think that's really interesting about just the whole way that humans are influenced in that it's also what happens out the room beforehand, the email interaction beforehand, the follow-up email you might send after. So Caldini's idea is it's not just what is said in the room that makes that impact and influences the onward decisions. It's the stuff that happens beforehand. So I think for anyone here that has got like, you know, a decision that they want someone to say, yes, we want you, or yes, we're going to say yes. It's not just preparing what happens in that pitch meeting. It's all those little informal bits of communication, even your greeting downstairs in the lobby. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> if you walk into that head office going, God, parking was a nightmare. And you've <laughs> instantly devalued, yeah. you know, yes. that whole building and that whole kind of setup. Yeah. Because you never know, you might be speaking to the person that organised that parking area for you. Yeah, absolutely. So you never, never underestimate the impact you have on people right you just don't know and that's that bit around the relationships you build making sure that you do show up in the way that you intend and also being aware of what's going on around you and I think that's something that sometimes people do forget I've seen that you know they're all and then they're smiles and lovely when they're actually with the person you know as you said of influence but they always go back we used to recruit but we'd always ask the receptionist at the time when we were going to see a receptionist, what was her impression of the person that turned up then? We would always go and speak to the receptionist to see because that was a good test, if you like, of their whether they did have a good impact, whether that was the type of person that we did want to be part of our organisation because of the way that they treated others. And I think that was I've, that's always stuck with me. Oh, Debs, too. And then, of course, in the world of dating, that is classically, you know, what you'd watch out for. You go out on a first date, you might go to a restaurant. It's not just how that person interacts with you, it's how they interact with the team in that restaurant and the, you know, the waiting team, et cetera, the waiting staff. So that gives you more of an indication as to what that person's true colours are like. Absolutely. So you could have had an amazing interaction, you know, whether that is a work or a romantic interaction. Um, but it's then the kind of, you know, the, uh, the, the not great behaviour on the way out to someone else when they think they're not being watched that actually yeah, impacts and influences exactly. yeah. your onward decision yeah. as to whether you're going to it's meet your up lasting again. impression right yeah it's the uh, that's yes. the one so if you were to say to somebody to share a secret 
or share the secret around this topic, what would you say? Oh, my main secret would be, Deb, don't worry about you being interesting. Just be interested in others. That is the fastest way to make a positive impact and have influence over others. Get over yourself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and invest yes. the time in getting into to that because it's the people that have the best um, levels of impact and influence over others are the ones that enable other people to be feel successful and special. And that happens by you being interested in them. So that would be my ultimate share the secret. Don't worry too much about them being the most interesting person in the room. If you're interested in others, you will be the most interesting person in the room because you'll help other people feel great. And then that will be the impact that you'll have on them. Yeah, I think that's such a that's such a good thing to consider and I'm with you on that. And I suppose my call the act, call to action off the back of that would then be start having a go at sharing what you know, don't keep it to yourself. That would be my call to action and just watch the impact that that has on the other person and on you, but also then the influence that then it creates moving forward. So that would be my call to action as well, Law. Well, I'm going to go and tell that receptionist. <laughs> That they should have got me a, a VIP parking space right at the start. Oh, funny enough, I haven't heard back an email from that. Oh, I day. wonder why. <laughs> and at the very least, Debs, you know, we've talked about this from a professional point of view. Yeah. But, you know, when we think about the world we want ahead, I mean, just have people, just have all of us, just a little bit more mindful of the impact and influence we have on others can only be a positive. And, you know, we've always known that. And it says that in various, you know, books from centuries ago. But we've all been so busy and caught up in our own lives because we've had so much change. It can be easy to forget the impact and influence we're having on others. And some of those chickens are coming home to roost now, aren't they, Deb? They because surely now, are. <laughs> as the wheels of industry are all starting to ramp up again, we're now having to maybe trade on some of those kind of relationships and those favours from the past. So, you know, it's I think it's a, a fascinating year to be in the world of work and sometimes it's the smallest things you know it doesn't have to be anything too massive yeah definitely and I think that would also link really nicely to what we're talking about next week which is about you know once you've understood what you need to be thinking about and how you can influence people to follow you through it's then being able to make a decision and making a good decision as well isn't it so that's what we're looking at next time yeah fantastic uh right nice one Debs. we'll have a fantastic week you too Giving your little stardust impact on people and helping, you know, influence them. So, uh, yeah, can't wait to catch up with you next week. Have a fantastic week. You too, Law. Love you lots. Love you. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at secretsfromacoach at aol.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you're a Spotify listener, give us a rating as it makes it easier for us to share the secret with others. 